Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Streaming live at wordradio.com. This man, it's your girl, POC. Turn your radios up, spread the word, spread the message. You already know how we coming each and every Friday. You got to get up anyway, so why not get up with us? 900 AM WRD, 96.1 Word Radio, Eco Word. We're bringing you that environmental justice information that's for you and about you, making sure we bring forth a greener, safer Philadelphia. And today, you already know, man, we starting off the show with a special guest. We got a jam-packed show. I got the guy, Ryan Kaufman, on the line, man. We're talking tobacco, vaping, and how is a affecting others indoors and just simply the campaign smoke-free Philadelphia. I know you heard about it, but today you're going to tap in a little bit more about it when it comes down to a smoke-free Philadelphia and how that can benefit you and your family in the long run. But I'm going to welcome Ryan to the conversation. Good morning, Ryan. How are you feeling this morning? Good morning. Feeling great. Thanks so much for having me. Really excited to be here. No doubt. Ryan, please introduce yourself and let the people know exactly who they're listening to. Great. Yeah. Thanks so much again for having me. My name is Ryan Kaufman. I'm the Tobacco Policy and Control Program Manager with the Department of Public Health here in Philadelphia. Awesome. And Ryan, you got a heavy job, right? <laughs> when it comes down to tobacco, we might think it's, it's not something that is taking over, but it's really taking over in a new way. You know, when we think about AI, we think about technology, that tobacco industry is keeping up all at the same time with vaping, right? And I kind of want to jump right into the campaign. When we talk about a smoke-free Philadelphia, why did you all start this initial campaign and what is it all about? Yeah, it's a great question. So it's a really important issue, right? Uh, still, with all the work that's happened around tobacco and reducing adult and youth tobacco use nationwide and here in Philadelphia, it's still a leading killer nationally and a leading killer of Philadelphians. Um, and this is something that, you know, no matter where you're hearing this information through, right, as a, as a parent, as a teacher, as an you know, as a, a caregiver or guardian, you know, it's affecting all of us. You know, if you talk to a room of people and ask, you raise your hand if you've lost someone to tobacco-related illness or you know someone that's sick from tobacco use, you'll see a substantial number of hands go up. So this is really a, a core part of our division of chronic disease and injury prevention is reducing adult and youth tobacco use. And by doing so, we can help Philadelphians live the longer, fuller, healthier, more productive lives that they all deserve. Mm-hmm. And when you think about having this conversation with someone who's been smoking tobacco since they were 18, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how are they being receptive to the, the conversation of just saying, yo, we want you to put down the tobacco. We want you to put down the cigarettes. Like, how are they receiving it? Yeah, it's also a really fine question. You know, I think that there can be a perception, not just among uh, community members, but even healthcare providers, right? That many individuals that use tobacco have no interest in addressing their tobacco use, um, are, are content with their tobacco use. But when you actually look at the data, again, nationally and locally here in Philadelphia, about three quarters of tobacco users want to be tobacco free. About half of them try every year. But the number of people that are successful can be in the single digits if they do so with an unaided attempt to recover from tobacco use. It's not to say that some people can't stop cold turkey, put them down, walk away, that's the end. (laughs) This is a very severe physical and psychological addiction, and most people need support and help. So I think what's really important is when you're talking to individuals about their tobacco use, the the odds are in your favor that most of those individuals are thinking about being tobacco-free, actively attempting to be tobacco-free and would benefit from help and support that the health department offers, but also their people around them, right? Loved ones, caregivers, um, co-workers, neighbors, uh, people that love, support, and encourage them. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask you, because we talk about adult use, but at the same time, um, the use with our youth is going up mm-hmm. as well. So when we think about, you know, uh, 
illegal tobacco selling towards our youth in the city or just in general, in the nation in general? How do you uh, how do you combat with that in the position that you Mm -hmm. are? Yeah. Yeah. So just like you said very well, you know, uh, cigarette use has gone down dramatically, you know, in uh, the last many years. Um, I mean, I remember when I was in high school, I would smoke cigarettes (laughs) outside with teachers right out back of the high school, which is wild to think about. This is a while back, but this is the mid nineties, not it's the not reality. So, so mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so right now adult uh, use cigarette use has gone down pretty sharply over the last many years, but other products like vaping products and little cigars have sort of risen to take, to take that spot. Mm-hmm. Right. So what's extremely important is that there's really, really great data that, young uh, youth and young adult brains are still developing until around the age of 25. So they're very, very susceptible to nicotine addiction, much more so than adults. And the products that are on the market today, uh, especially in the form of vaping products, which is the most commonly used tobacco product for youth, have Mm -hmm. double the levels of nicotine than earlier generations of vaping products. So nicotine is not a benign substance. It, it, It facilitates addiction. It changes the way um, youth and young adult brains operate. So we do a lot of work with youth serving organizations and and education settings to really protect young people from vaping and all forms of tobacco use. I appreciate the work that you all are doing. Um, I am not an advocate for vaping. I honestly cannot stand it. Uh, And that brings me to my next question, because I want to talk about the harm of vaping indoors. Right. Um, Because as we see time is changing, people are getting more receptive to allowing people to smoke indoors because um, hookah, it kind of resembles a little bit of hookah. Um, But I wanted to ask you just a personal question, Ryan. You know, you think it's the flavors that are getting people so hooked? Like, are they like it's like, you know how candy you get you get hooked on the flavor of the candy do you think that the vaping and the hookah smoke uh, smoking is it's mainly attached to the the flavor that comes with it yeah it's a good question so there are really well documented history of the tobacco companies and big tobacco using flavorings right alcohol dessert candy fruit flavors to entice and allure especially youth and young adults to try these products so yeah of all the all the youth that are using tobacco products or vaping products, the vast overwhelming majority are using a flavored product. So there has been some regulation on the federal level to scale back the amount of flavors that are permissible in certain tobacco products. But the fact remains that there are still quite a few um, traditional combustible tobacco products and vaping products that have flavorings in them. So that mellows the, uh, the harshness of the tobacco or vaping experience. Um, it also incites kind of curiosity young people to say, oh, this tastes like bubblegum or, you know, brownie or what have you and to try those products. And then that allows the nicotine, which is in the products, to take yeah. hold of that individual and facilitate the addictions. So it's really, really important um, all the way up to the federal government right now is really giving very careful consideration to re- further restricting flavorings in tobacco products that remain. And that is well documented as a tobacco industry strategy to introduce and sustain addiction. And then just to double back on your point about smoking indoors, you know, we do have a clean indoor air worker protection law in Philadelphia that prohibits vaping and smoking indoors. There are some small subset of establishments that do have exemptions to allow smoking indoors, but the 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 majority of public spaces, you know, bars, restaurants, workplaces, um, offices um, are tobacco and, and vape free. And, you know, anyone that is um, 
years of alleged activity of smoking or vaping indoors, and they're not sure if that establishment has an exemption, they can absolutely email us on Smoke Free Philly, or there's a, a contact us to report potential legal smoking. So we can make sure that as much as possible, we're protecting both workers and the public from a known environmental health hazard in the form of secondhand smoke. And increasingly, the data that shows that that aerosol that you're inhaling when people are vaping yeah. also is full of things that should be concerning. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate you making that um, point uh, very visible yeah. for our listeners today. Um, and for those who are just tuning in, you're listening to Ryan Kaufman. Um, he's coming to us from the city mm-hmm. of Philadelphia, Department of Health, Public Health. Um, and Ryan, I want to ask, you know, with this new administration that's coming forth in the city, do you think that they will be able to shed light on this this particular campaign that you all have been pushing uh, for the Department of Public Health? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I don't think that, um, you know, I have a full sense, you know, just yet, um, or many of us don't have a full sense of kind of what the new administration's priorities will be. Um, I think we've been very fortunate that ever since I've been with the health department over the last 10 years, this has been, you know, really uh, kept in sharp focus, you know, in our work in the public health department. And I'm very, very hopeful that it will continue to be so. Um, as I mentioned before, you know, tobacco still to this day is still a leading killer of Philadelphians as it is in the rest of the nation. And while tobacco use rates and vaping in, uh, for adults and youth, I should say, have declined overall, rates still remain high in some of the more vulnerable communities that have been exploited by the tobacco industry. So low-income communities and neighborhoods, racial and ethnic minority communities and neighborhoods, LGBT communities, folks with behavioral health challenges still use tobacco at much higher rates than uh, the, the city overall. And so there's a real need to now, keep our foot on the gas pedal, if if you will, in, in this in this initiative, and and um, continue to move that progress forward. No doubt, I definitely agree with you on that one, Ryan. And I want to ask you, you know, when it comes down to environmental justice. Um, mm. Let's bring, like we talked about indoors, but I want to go outside a little bit, right? Because people do still smoke outside. So when yeah. we talk about tobacco smoking outside, um, how <clears throat> how does that affect the environment? Just simply, like how is that still affecting the environment right now or the climate, I should say, in 2023? Such a great question. I'm so glad that you're devoting time in your show to talk about this issue. Because frankly, I think it's just overlooked <clears throat> when we're talking about environmental justice and uh, human activities impact on the environment. Tobacco is kind of left out of that conversation. Yeah. You know, despite the fact that there's really, I think, and I've, I've seen a lot of data on tobacco over the years, but you <laughs> really start digging in to the impact of tobacco on the environment, it's just staggering impact. And that's all the way from growth. So growing tobacco plants that become cigarettes, cigars, smokeless tobacco, et cetera, all the way up to, you know, the end end use, right? So when people discard that product into the environment, right? Whether that's a cigarette butt, you know, a can of uh, smokeless tobacco, <laughs> excuse me, a um, disposable e-cigarette, for instance. So there's a few things that I would share with your listeners. I mean, when they, when they study um, huge cleanup efforts along coastlines and in urban environments, there are trillions trillions of cigarette butts alone that are discarded into the environment every year. And those are made up of, and I'll mention cigarettes just because it's one of the most commonly used tobacco products. Um, It's actually a cigarette butt contains not cotton or something biodegradable. It's little interwoven plastic fibers and they can take months and years to break down. And when they get into the environment, someone throws it out their car window, for instance, that inevitably ends up in our waterways, right? Rivers, streams out in the ocean because that all that runoff they have to go somewhere, right? Exactly. So all those toxic chemicals, of which there's thousands in uh, commercial tobacco, is concentrated in that butt. 
that then can be eaten by wildlife, birds, fish, you name it. And it can take months to years to break down. Uh, so it has an enormous environmental impact. And then that cleanup cost is borne by the taxpayer, right? The industry could make their products more environmentally sustainable, but they have no interest in that. They're interested in more rolling out new brands of cigarettes. It's <laughs> not, you're right. It's seriously, it's not like, it's just not on their radar of something to dedicate their time and energy and resources to, which is, I think, very telling of where the tobacco industry's priorities are. I think secondly, as you mentioned really well earlier, there's a new generation of products with disposable e-cigarettes and e-waste, which is even less susceptible to degradation in the environment once it's discarded, right? Because it's made of plastic and metals and things like that, right? So it's a really, and I know it can be an issue that's hard to appreciate its impact on our day-to-day life in Philadelphia, but the analogy I would give, Tamara, is like, if you're going to a park, right, people go to a park in Philadelphia as a refuge for maybe urban living, right, to get a little serenity, calmness, right, be around nature, you know, just get away from the day-to-day rigors of urban living. When you see cigarette butts around, right, it sort of breaks that spell that we have and why we're going to that natural area with ourselves, our family, our kids, and just detracts from the natural beauty of a shared resource for all of us, mm-hmm. right, that we all go to enjoy. I definitely agree, you know, because when you go to a park, you want it to be in a space of beautification. You don't want to see cigarette butts hanging around. You don't want to see trash on the ground. So I definitely agree with you on that. And I don't think, you know, you should be smoking in front of a park in general. You know, so I do think that there should be more regulations that goes around that come around when it comes to smoking in front of parks and recreations and stuff like that. Um, But right. I want to ask you my last question, you know, specifically about the difference between vaping and traditional smoking um, and is there a difference as far as the cause and effect of the harm that it's doing on the environment as, as well as the harm that it's doing on the actual smoker itself? Him or yeah, herself. happy to happy to answer that question. And again, a great, great series of questions. Really love this conversation. Thanks so much for having me on. <laughs> no doubt. And I'd love to answer that question. And if I may just say a quick word about quitting resources for your listeners, because hopefully this conversation may be stimulating some thinking for both themselves as a tobacco user or people that they love and care about in their social or family circle. So I'd love to wrap up with that if we have just a minute. So I'll try to answer this question very quickly. So we don't understand the harms of vaping nearly as well as we understand uh, combustible tobacco. It's just combustible tobacco is an issue that's been studied for decades and decades. But the things that I would share are that many vaping products for adults, we'll start with adults and go to youth. When we start with adults, the way these products are marketed is as as a quitting aid, right? Just like a nicotine patch or nicotine gum, this helps you to quit. But when you really look at the data of what happens when people are are vaping among adults, they're actually vaping and smoking interchangeably. So there's a very high percentage of individuals that are smoking combustible cigarettes, but also vaping. So they're not quitting and they're not getting that reduced harm that they may be seeking because they're still using the most dangerous form of tobacco, which is which is cigarettes, right? And then I think secondly for uh, for youth, I mean, as I mentioned before, the effects of nicotine on the adolescent brain are profound. So no youth should be exposed to nicotine in any way, shape, or form. Data that's also found among youth vaping shows that youth who vape are significantly more likely to go on to combustible cigarettes, even if that's not their intention. So in both of those instances, whether it's youth or adults that are trying to vape and get away from cigarettes, there's actually more data showing that youth and adults still smoke cigarettes or are more likely to then go on to cigarettes while they're vaping. Yeah. So, you know, there's 
that I think is something that should concern concern all of us, right? So despite the marketing and the messaging around vaping, the the number of individuals that are likely to still smoke cigarettes while they're vaping can be high. So these are products that we're working very hard to protect youth and young adults from in the city. And I think anyone getting to the quitting message here, anyone that is trying to, uh, among adults, to try to quit smoking, which is a great step for themselves and for their families, neighborhoods, and communities, we'd strongly recommend they first pursue uh, FDA-approved medications, which can be available through your insurance, public or private insurance. And there's a great number called 1-800-QUIT-NOW, 1-800-Q-U-I-T-N-O-W. You call that number, anyone in Pennsylvania, you can get free medication sent right to your doorstep and free coaching counseling over the phone. Wow. And the last step that we recommend is having a smoke and vape free home to protect those indoor environments, you know, whether it's elderly residents or children or families, the data on secondhand smokes, harms, and increasingly what's in the aerosol that people like say when they're vaping is something that should we should protect and uh, everyone from in enclosed public spaces. I like that you you really broke it down and I definitely agree with you um, on a lot of those points. Um, and, and it's crazy how our youth are really adapting to those vape, those vapors. Um, and then the point that you just made, you made about the, that it's inevitable. They're still going to, they're still going to go to traditional tobacco smoking somehow, some way they're still going to roll over to that. And I think that in this day and age, like we have to further these conversations, Ryan. So I appreciate the campaign that you all are doing. And I would love to continue to further this conversation. I'm um, going into the spring. Um, Cause that's when people are more outside. And we want to make sure that people are not, you know, uh, messing up the environment when they transfer from one season to the next. Um, so I definitely want to continue this conversation and I appreciate you coming through this morning to uh, help expand on the conversation and to also let people know that there is a place out there that they can go to in the city that does care about them, that can provide them resources and opportunities to quit, you know, to be completely tobacco free. So again, Ryan, can you tell people how they can find you, the website, all that good stuff. So if they need some support, they can come get some help. Yeah, so smokefreephilly.org is the website for our program within the Division of Chronic Disease and Injury Prevention. And again, that number to get help with quitting smoking or vaping is 1-800-QUIT-NOW, 1-800-Q-U-I-T-N-O-W. No doubt. I appreciate you so much. I hope I hope you have a great weekend. And again, I would love to finish this conversation or further this conversation in the springtime. Yeah, that would be great. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM, 900 AM, and online at wordradio.com.